Hey, what's up? Hello, guys. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you're here. Happy Wednesday, April 7th. Got a few more shows for you guys this week because, uh, as I promised on the last show, um, wanted to kind of organize my thoughts and, and get everything together to really kind of break down how the Olympic trials ultimately unfolded. So what my plan was and we're going to start it here today, is to give you a separate podcast on every single team, men's freestyle, women's freestyle, Greco-Roman, um, to just kind of break down all of my thoughts, and, and obviously we'll bring you guys interviews for all 18 Olympians, or at least all 18 winners of the Olympic trials. I know three of those weights still have to uh, go and qualify the weight for the Olympics uh, before they can go compete in Tokyo this summer, and we'll touch on all that, but I wanted to give each team a fair shake. There was so much that happened um, over the course of the uh, couple of days in Texas just in the challenge tournament uh, Saturday morning when guys were wrestling back for spots on the national team and then obviously Saturday night in the best of three finals where there were only a couple of weights that went to a winner take all third match but they were I, there was just a lot going on and I wanted to um, not do a three-hour podcast on Monday I wanted to try and break these up and and give you guys um you know my thoughts on each of the teams. So we're going to start with men's freestyle today. We'll do women's freestyle tomorrow on Thursday, and then we'll wrap it up at the end of the week with Greco-Roman. So yeah, we're going to break down the men's freestyle Olympic team, how these guys qualified, other things that that shook out in the brackets, other you know my thoughts, this, that, and the next. Um, touch on the Jaden Cox situation. Touch on Kyle Dake over over Jordan Burroughs. Um, Gable Stevenson's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> a ridiculous run at 125 kilograms. Um, a lot going on in this one alone. So this is where we're going to start. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on each bracket, on the, on the finals, on each Olympian, how they looked. Um, and then we'll also get you guys some interview clips from all six of the winners. So let's cue up that intro music and we'll get this thing underway. Well, um, I'll meet you guys on the other side. Thanks a bunch for listening and I hope you all enjoy. Hey guys, Cody here, um, breaking down men's freestyle at the U.S. Olympic team trials. A lot going on um, in these six weights. Men's freestyle of the Olympic weights are 57 kilos, 65 kilos, uh, 74, 86, 97, and 125. Um, the six winners from the weekend, if you don't know already, Thomas Gilman at 57, uh, second straight former Iowa wrestler to rep the smallest Olympic weight in men's freestyle, 65 kilo Jordan Oliver. Uh, he wins the trials, but not a spot in the Olympics. He's still got to go qualify that weight later um, this spring. I think actually just a month away in Bulgaria. 74, Kyle Dake breaking through um, and ending Jordan Burroughs' long, uh, in a decade-long reign, even longer than a decade probably, um, at that weight. 86 kilos, uh, David Taylor breaks through, winning a battle of former Nittany Lion wrestlers in the finals. Uh, 97, Kyle Snyder. Uh, didn't get to see Kyle Snyder versus Jaden Cox. Uh, it kind of stinks a little bit, but we'll we'll get there. Um, and then 125, Gable Stevenson. Just absolutely, I, <laughs> I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, most of them pretty good when it comes to Gable Stevenson, and we'll and we'll touch on that when we get to 125. But let's. That's the Olympic team. Um, that's a that's that's. I mean, that's a strong team, guys. That is that is a team with some high metal potential. Um, I thought all these guys that won the weight were the best guys at the weight over the weekend um you know we'll go, we'll touch on it weight by weight 
So I, you know, I think there's a lot of conversation about, you know, is this the best team to send? You know, I I think a lot of people maybe were rooting for the United States best interest or what they thought was the United States best interest when it came to trying to figure out who they wanted to make the team. Um, You know, if that makes sense, like I think there was, you know, at 65, there's a lot of people that wanted Yanni Diakmahalas to make the team because they felt like he was the best chance internationally. Um you know, but he couldn't get through Jordan Bur- uh, Jordan Oliver, excuse me, and, and part of making these teams and, and being the best opportunity to do, you know, some damage overseas is to obviously win the spot, right? So, you know, we'll touch on that, um, you know, because, man, this, this tournament was just so loaded. I, I had talked about beforehand about how, you know, I, there was obviously, there's almost always going to be a lot more people to watch the NCAA wrestling championships over the Olympic trials for a number of reasons. And, and the, the primary reason, or at least one of the largest reasons I think is just that it's way easier to follow, you know, college laundry than it is to try and follow these guys individually. Um, fair or not, that just, that seems to be the case almost every single time. But those who tuned into the U S Olympic team trials are going to be treated to some ridiculous talent depth like just the you know I think the numbers that I said beforehand and this is from Flow Wrestling's John Kozak you know 72 wrestlers qualified for the men's freestyle Olympic trials tournament uh all but 70 or no excuse me 70 out of the 72 were NCAA All-Americans and 38 of them at one point won an NCAA title so you know that's all you know a little bit more than six NCAA champs per weight when you you know do the math because there's only six weights and you know almost 12 all-americans per weight that's kind of ridiculous right um but it's also awesome at the same time because you just you get so much loaded talent and like you know for example at 57 kilograms and we'll and we'll jump into this more maybe this is where we jump into this bracket um quarterfinal matchup Joe Cologne all-american for Northern Iowa uh, 2018 world bronze medalist against Seth Gross, who, you know, two-time NCAA finalist, NCAA champ, uh, in the quarterfinals, guys, in the quarterfinals. Like, this took place on Friday morning before most people actually tuned in to pay attention to what was going on. That's a little ridiculous, right? Um, so, yeah, lots of talent here, lots of great matchups. A lot of wrestling people were just, you know, I, this tournament, you know, I, I think I made the comment that the NCAA championships are just so unforgiving and just the the sheer it's just bonkers right the olympic trials is that on steroids um you know like you got a past ncaa champ and a past all-american meeting in the wrestlebacks you've got you know that, that quarterfinal matchup um it's just insane it's just insane i hope you guys or at least those of you guys that followed along had as much fun as i did because it's just it's a lot of concentrated talent. I think the, the the phrase that Jason Bryant used was concentrated excellence. Just a lot of a lot of talent packed into into a single tournament. Um, enough of me blabbering. Let's let's get to these men's freestyle brackets. Fifty seven kilograms. Thomas Gilman's the guy that comes out on top. Um, and guys, he looked really good, really really good. I know I touched on this in the freestyle. Um, but man, you know, eleven zero over Zane Richards, ten uh, zero over Joe Cologne, and then you know, up eleven four when he pins Vito Rougeau in the first match, and then he wins a real tough match two two in the second to make the clean sweep, make the Olympic team. Um, you know, continues Iowa's long and storied tradition of having a wrestling connection to every single Summer Olympics since nineteen forty eight. He is the first Iowa native to make the Olympic team since Doug Schwab made it in two thousand eight. That was not too long ago. Um, and the second straight Hawkeye to rep 57 kilograms for the United States. Dan Dennis also did it in 2016. So, hey, 
Um, yeah, Gilman looked good. Beat Vito two matches to none in the finals. How'd he get there? Um, you know, mentioned it. He beat Cologne. He beat Richards. Vito opened with a win over Nathan Tomasello after they both took first round buys. Uh, Vito three <laughs> two and NATO looked good guys like NATO came back and made the national team um, you know and I think that I was he retired or maybe he came out of retirement or just hadn't really competed in a really long time so Vito beats him three two Tomasello comes back he beats Sean Russell 13 uh, six Cologne forfeits out so he takes a bye into the third place match and then he beats Zane Richards 12 to six so you know hey um, you know we can talk about the I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on you know, all the forfeits that tend to happen in the Russell backs of the Olympic trials. Cause these guys are really here for one reason, one reason only. Um, but kudos to those who, who do Russell back for that spot on the national team, because that opens up, you know, the, the stipend from USA wrestling training opportunities, competitions that are sponsored overseas, pretty cool stuff. Um, so, you know, people who do that, congrats. Um, Tomasello seemed to be the only person that did that. I know Zane Richards is the guy he beat for third. Zane Richards, after he lost to Gilman, took a bye, back-to-back forfeits because Gross and Fix, neither of them wrestled, um, and that's how he got to the third-place match, so a little weird. Um, meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, uh, Zach Sanders, who Zane Richards beat in the first round, Zach Sanders wrestled Sean Russell, um, Sean Russell beat him, and then he wrestled Nathan Tomasello, and then in the Constellation semifinals, Tomasello accepts the, the third-place match. So a little weird. Anyway, uh, Vito beats Tomasello in the quarters. Um, then he beats Dayton Fix. And, guys, let me – man, Vito looked really good. Um, really good, right? He, man, he got up to a 6-0 lead, and Fix fought back because he always does. He never, he never not scores. Um, so it ended up 7-5. Um, thought, I mean, it was 6-5. Thought he had a had a, some sort of exposure at the end. They they challenge because you can't take the bricks home, and and Vito gets an extra point. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know that even if Fix would have gotten through, and I know he's got a series win over Thomas Gilman and, and a handful of individual wins. I don't know that anybody was beating Thomas Gilman on this day. I mean, we can talk until the cows come home about if Nick Suriano's in the bracket. He's the five seed, and him and Gilman probably meet in the semifinals, and the whole bracket shifts, and and things get weird. Um, we can talk all day about Spencer Lee at you know at full health, probably being not only the best guy domestically at this weight, but maybe the best guy in the world at this weight. I think that that's kind of a fool's errand because they weren't in the bracket, and we just we don't know for sure, right? And and we'll get to that more. What I mean by that when we get to some of these other weights, because I think there was a lot of people that maybe expected some of these weights to go a different way, and they didn't. And that's kind of the beauty of the tournament is that they, the guys step on the line and they shake hands and they figure out who is the best person on that day. And that's how these teams are made. So, yeah, Thomas Gilman, he's the rep at 57. Um, fun weight overall, kind of a lighter weight, I suppose, at 57 kilo, maybe top heavy a little bit, and especially just the way Gilman wrestled. I mean, they're, you know, Vito, it was 2-2 in that second match, but... Um, you know, Gilman scored a takedown in the first Vito scored two step outs in the second. I, it, you know, Vito really wasn't super close to scoring all that much. So that's, um, you know, I mean, he got in on shots a few times, but Gilman defended him well enough and, and he defended him well enough early that you kind of thought if Vito got a leg in the air, it was going to take a lot to, to score. So Gilman's the rep at 57. Um, we've got his interview from after the finals on Saturday night. Um, you know, those of you that may have listened to it on, Monday, we're going to hear it again here. Thomas Gilman, uh, 2021 U.S. Olympian. Uh, let's go to him now. How's it going? Congratulations. Thank you. Tell me about the uh, the match. Do you feel like um, do you feel like you came out of nowhere? I mean, it came out of nowhere. I've been around since 2017 when I got a silver medal in the Worlds. 
um, no disrespect, <laughs> that kind of sounds a little arrogant, but um, maybe a little offensive for me, but um, you know, everyone likes something new and shiny and maybe that's why people don't really like me that much and say I'm coming out of nowhere because I'm not new and shiny, but I mean, I was the number one seed. I qualified the way for the Olympic games. You know, I've been in the finals match ever since 2017. I got a world silver medal and fifth, fifth place in 2018. I was in the bronze medal match and I didn't make the team in 2019, but you know, three, two out of three series and I went to three matches against eight and fixed there and then qualified the weight 2020. God stepped in and said, not today. Olympic games are postponed and now we're here. So I wouldn't say I came out of nowhere. So do you think that, uh, that them being postponed last year to this year, do you think that was better for you was worse for you in terms of the wrestling or how did it work? I mean, it worked out for sure. Yeah, it worked out. So hindsight's 2020, maybe it, it worked out for me, but I, I mean, I, I was, I was in a strain, a, a, a unique situation let's let's say last year. And I was, but I was ready to go. You know, I had Mark Perry as my, as my coach and, and we were going to, we we're going to get the job done. We we're ready to go. You know, I beat the Cuban who's probably one of the best guys in the world. Um, second round at the Pan Am Championships qualify the weight. Um, I, I, I was running all cylinders. I was ready to go. But this year has allowed me to grow beyond the sport of wrestling. I got married. I moved halfway across the country. That's not something you do on a whim. Um, it's not uh, an opportunist thing to do necessarily. It was a sacrifice. You know, I kind of started over. I made a home in Belfont, Pennsylvania. You know, I, I, I made a new family with Nittany Lion Wrestling Club in Penn State. Uh, university with coach kale and company and especially coach cody have taken me in under their wing and fathers to me um so look in the bigger picture wrestling is great but i grew in this last year more than just a wrestler i grew i became a bit more of a man a better man a better person um so i'm just extremely grateful and i thank god uh, that i'm here today um i just Maybe I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of no. It's great. Rambling, by, by out of nowhere, I only meant that people don't know you. I think as well, and now they will, right? Right. I meant no disrespect. I know you didn't mean any disrespect either. I just wanted to kind of explain where I'm coming from. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I've got a, a media question. Uh, first question coming in right now. Hey, Thomas. This is Cody. Uh, hey, I just can't get away from you, huh? <laughs> Hey, man, um, you know, just being from Iowa, um, of course, we're going to follow you around. But but I, I when we talked beforehand, you know, this has obviously been a big goal for you. And and to finally take the you know, obviously the goals are bigger, right, to go win gold. But but to take this first step and to get on the team and to take care of this, how does how does this feel in your mind in this moment? Um, I, it's a little surreal right now. Um, I think that it'll hit me maybe after the drug test and, and I kind of see my family for a longer extended period of time and, and I'm around my teammates and, and my family in that sense too, it'll hit me. But, um, you know, I, I got to take it one step at a time. I'm just trying to be present. That's the biggest thing um, for me and my wife coming in this tournament and, and, and our lives together is just being present in the moment. And so I want to enjoy this. I'm going to take it all in, you know, I'm an Olympian, you know, it's uh, something to be very proud of but I'm going to take a page out of Nick Lee's book. Um, you know, after the national tournament, he said, chop wood, carry water. And what's that mean? I don't know. Google it. Um, but essentially for me, it's back to work tomorrow. You know, how did I get here? Chopping wood, carrying water. How am I going to get to be an Olympic champion, Olympic gold medalist, chop wood, carry water. And that starts tomorrow, but 
tonight I'm going to enjoy myself, enjoy the presence of my family and uh, just see if it ever sinks in. Hopefully it, hopefully it doesn't because that means there's still work to be done. I gotcha. The, the, the idea of staying present and, and continuing to focus on the thing that is in front of you. When did that lesson, I guess, when did, when did you learn it or when did it maybe finally sink in? I think um, I really learned it first from Coach Kale and, and the way he talks to the team before before the practices. I've just been really paying attention to what he has to say, as, as every, everyone should. He, he's a very wise person and, and he has a lot of information to give and, he, and he's very giving in that knowledge um to us as his athletes and and uh you know he just it's kind of what he talks about every day just have fun you know it's cliche and people think it's funny when that's why i think people a lot of people don't like us here at penn state so we we're just having fun and we're just being present and it's, it's hard to have fun when you're thinking about the future and you're having anxiety you're thinking about the past and you're having depression you know just be present enjoy the moment you know we're alive a lot of people <laughs> And we're healthy. You know, a lot of people can't say that. But beyond that, you know, with my wife, you know, we, we've kind of started this journey, you know, in our faith, but also uh, in philosophy. She was a philosophy major in college and, and something we've been studying together is, is stoicism and and just being present is like the one of the foundations of that philosophy. And, um, you know, you, you just get to know yourself a little bit better. And and it's it's hard to hard to know other people when you don't know yourself. So just that's kind of a long win answer. I'm not sure where I'm going, but <laughs> I got you. Last one for me, um, more tactical. Um, that first match with Vito seemed like it went a lot of the ways that your matches usually go. You kind of wear on them and gas them out and you're able to get mm -hmm. to your offense a lot in that second. That, that second match, though, it looked like he changed up a lot of things. What kind of challenges did he present in that second match? Well, that first match, um, you know, I was thinking back to my college career, how I, I got made fun of a lot for breaking Lezak from the bottom, but it's kind of the truth. Um, and I'll kind of use that analogy with uh, with him in that first, you know, I think he wanted to get that match over with quick and um, as all of us do. But uh, he spent a lot of energy on that takedown, that leg lace and shame on me for getting there. But I, it took it out of him and, and, and uh you know, he, they had a different game plan. They were kind of banging with me a little more, you know, we we're hand fighting a little more. So I was able to pressure snap, get to my underhooks and get to his legs. They were kind of staying away from me a little bit more. You know, once the pressure kind of stayed, I put the pressure on them, snapped them a couple of times. They really started to wrestle that outside. And then, you know, the second period, I was kind of doing the same thing. I was like, well, heck, I got three minutes. I'm up by two. Um, Let's try to get a takedown. Oh, let's just win this match, essentially. And uh, that's something I haven't really been good at uh, ever since um, 2018. Is, is I kind of forgot how to how to how to win. You know, I was I was I'm always in those matches. You know, I beat the best guys in the world. I'm always in those matches with the best guys in the world. But for a long time, I just had a hard time figuring out how to win. And, and um, that's not how I want to win. You know, obviously we want to win differently. But um, it's a start, and it's a win and at the end of the day that's what history remembers you for is winning and yeah righteous congrats man thank you and we have another question here maybe your question from jake yeah thomas you know you you referred to penn state as a you've ingrained yourself in the community and you know you get a lot of outpourings of support you know coming from iowa to penn state just what does it mean to you to now be such a part of the program and of the culture and to get the support that you've gotten. I mean, it, it means the world to me, you know, I'm an, I, I, not anymore, but I was an outsider, you know, I was a nomad looking for a home, 
um, in a way, you know, I had Mark Perry as my, my coach, you know, really my personal coach and my kind of go-to guy. And he was leaving Iowa and I was like, well, I'm, I got to figure out what to do. And, and um, they've, they've taken me in and done more for me than I could ever ask anybody to do for me. Um, it's just been amazing. You know, not only the, you know, the guys on the team, the coaches, but just the whole community, you know, um, Iowa city, Iowa is not the only place that loves wrestling. Um, state college is a great place to be if you're a wrestler and, and you like wrestling. So, um, it's just been amazing. And, you know, last night before this matchup, you talked about how you've been humbled a lot the last you know, year plus, you know, with COVID and everything that's gone on. How important has that humility and maybe learning that or channeling that been to your development? Uh, it's, it's been huge. It's, it's been um, the center uh, of that development because um, when, when you're trying to make yourself a new home and you're kind of the outsider, the nomad looking for a home, you have to be humble. You, I mean, there's no choice. You, you don't run the show. You don't, you don't really ask for much. You don't, you mind your P's and Q's and maybe a little bit more than you usually would. And so I, in that sense, I've really had to humble myself, but, you know, COVID, you know, gave me a lot of time to just sit and think, you know, and, and my grandfather always says you get in trouble thinking and uh, that's the case a lot, but sometimes you got to think a little bit to, to get yourself out of a hole and out of the funk. And it's kind of what I was in was a hole in the funk just, just mentally and spiritually. And so um, just kind of had to be humbled to, to ask God for, for guidance and forgiveness and, and uh, ask him to show me, show me the direction I'll, I'll take it. And, um, you know, he's showing it and I just take the path that he pre presents me. And uh, today it, it, it's, an, you know, on to Tokyo. Um, you know, so everything is, is because of him and, and for him. And, and I'm just thank, thankful and grateful for that. And, you know, when you came to NLWC, I'm sure you had goals in mind of what you wanted to accomplish. I'm sure this was probably one of them. I mean, did you expect it? to happen this quickly, you know, did you visualize it and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to join the NLWC and I know I'm going to be successful right away. You know, what was that process like? Uh, I mean, yeah, that was kind of the plan. Um, it, you know, in, in my head, you know, when I was coming to, to, to the 99 wrestling club, it was, it was for a lot of reasons, but the main reason was to get better at wrestling. You know, I, I was at a place in my career and I needed to go to another place in my career if I wanted to accomplish my goals. And, and that essentially was just getting better at the sport of wrestling and finding the love for the sport again. Um, you know, I just, it was, I, I was ready to retire, you know, to be quite frank. Um, I was going to go when the trials, when the Olympics be done, never look at the sport again. You know, that's kind of where my mind was at. And that's not a good place to be. Um, you know, when you're trying to compete and I'm kind of in the renaissance of my wrestling career right now, um, you know, I'm finding love for the sport again. And people say, Oh, well, you, you've been at Penn state for a year and you're still doing the same dang things. Yeah. Well, maybe, but my, my head is different. My mind is different. Um, I have more, more confidence the, 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 the things I'm bringing to the mat mentally and spiritually are different. I'm a different person, even though I'm doing the same things, we don't, you don't change overnight. You know, I've added a little bit you know, tactical, technical things, but you're not going to see it every single time out there. If you really study my, my films, you're going to see things that are different, but now I'm just ranting and raving. No worries. Last question for me on a lighter note, how's your dodgeball game? Have you improved since you got to uh, state college? Can you repeat that first part? I, I, yeah, you're you mean, up. I it's sort of a lighthearted question, but obviously I know dodgeball is a big part of the NLW. <sighs> how's your game been? Oh, not great. So, 
I, I usually use that time to warm up on my own. So I, I, uh, I, I need, I, just the way my, my genetics are, I need a little bit, you know, I need my mind. I'm, I'm kind of a scatterbrain as everyone can tell us my interviews, but you know, I need very, I need structure. So, and I need a long warm up. I need a long structured warm up. So when those guys are playing their dodgeball, I, I like to uh, get my warm up in. But there was one time where I kind of got the edge to play dodgeball. But I just got back from France, and actually I was wrestling Vito, and uh, I kind of hurt my elbow a little bit in, in, a, in a scramble, and it was, it was my right elbow, it's my throwing arm. So uh, I kind of had the itch to play, maybe because I couldn't physically. But uh, yeah, it, my my game hasn't improved. I, I've tried it a couple of times, but I'm awful. I can't throw, can't catch. And uh, I'm just like an easy target. You know, they, they don't take it easy on new guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Moving on to 65 kilograms, uh, Jordan Oliver's the guy. He comes out of maybe the, I don't want to say deepest, but this was a pretty open weight, right? And I know that there were a lot of people that, um, you know, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier at 57. You know, you just never know how these brackets are going to go. I think a lot of people maybe lightly penciled in Zane Rutherford and Yanni Diakmahalis, the one in the two seeds at this weight, to get to the finals and, and go best of three and figure it out because that was how it went in 2019. Um, but, guys, man, there was there was a lot that happened at this weight, right? Like, Zane goes down in the semifinals to Joey McKenna, who, uh, you know, blitzed James Green to start, and then he wrestled an absolute excellent game plan to, to beat Zane, just always stayed a score ahead or scored even the entire time and hit a slick slide-by to win that match 8-5. Eight to, eight to uh, Jordan Oliver um, comes out of the other end. He beats Yanni in the semifinals 4-4, criteria win, so he battled back from, I think, down 3-0 um, to win that one, scored a step out in the final seconds and then held off Yanni in the final six seconds after the restart. And then J.O. also, only guy to beat Nick Lee at this weight because Nick Lee... Um, you know, 14-2 win over Mitch McKee to start. And then here's who he beat. You ready for this, guys? Here's who he beat in the Russellbacks. Uh, Nashawn Garrett, 12-2. Zane Rutherford, 10-4. And then Yanni, 16-8. Like, imagine beating two. Uh, what, uh, what? Garrett won an NCAA title. Zane won three. Yanni's won two. Imagine beating three guys in a row who have combined for six NCAA titles. And your your prize is third place. Like, that's, that's the Olympic trials, man. And Nick Lee looked great. Um, you know, like he really, I, he thumped Zane. That was surprising. Um, 10 to four. And then like, he just, he just, he just kind of went out there and threw it out there and, and beat Yanni. I mean, 16 point. I can't remember the last time Yanni gave up, you know, eight points, let alone 16. Um, excellent stuff there from Nick Lee. But yeah, that's, that kind of tells you where, you know, how good J.O. was this weekend. Like Jordan Oliver, eight to three. He was real calm. He was real collected. Um, just kind of stayed within himself in the in within the positions he was good um you know that win for Yanni like that was I mean that was big for me I mean just kind of looking at the score sheet here um you know Yanni was up four to two with less than a minute left and J.O. gets gets a step out at 22 seconds then he gets a step out at five seconds left and and pulls it out four four um you know and then against McKenna in the best of three he he sweeps it um, you know, 3-0, he's up 1-0 off a shot clock point in the first match, and then he gets put on the shot clock and converts a single. It was really well done, wins that match. Um, and then in the second, he just got his offense going earlier. You know, he scored a couple, uh, you know, scored a couple takedowns in the first period, ends up winning that match 5-1. Um, you know, I, and this is, you know, I think a lot of people thought it'd be Zane Yanni, and there were there was a segment of, of rustling folks that think Yanni is probably the best guy you know, internationally, right at this weight. 
um, you know, he presents the most problems to some of, you know, the international competition that we'll see at 65 kilo. And that's fair. That's fine. Just, you know, his wrestling style is different, right? And, you know, Zane Rutherford has maybe the Brent Metcalf vibe about him, um, you know, where he'll win domestically and he's very, very good inside the United States. But then when he goes overseas, he struggles sometimes, um, you know, because the world championships and some of these overseas competitions are hard. Um, so we'll see how J.O. does. I believe the last chance qualifier, uh, he's got to get to the finals. It's in Bulgaria early May. So he's got about a month. And he knew that coming in. I think everybody at this weight knew that, you know, hey, if you win it, you're now tasked with going to qualify the weight. J.O. looked great. Um, Nick Lee looked looked phenomenal. It was really cool to see him make the run on the backside that he did. He, he really, you know, injected some juice into that crowd. That was really cool. Joey McKenna, phenomenal tournament from him. I know he only wrestled four matches, and he went two and two. But, you know, hey, he beat James Green, who two-time world medalist, and then he beat Zane. Um you know, three-time NCAA champ, just this weight is freaking, this tournament, this tournament alone is just freaking bonkers, right? Um, so yeah, uh, McKenna looks great. Jordan Oliver gets the job done. He he has the spot. It is his, and now it is his his task and his task alone when it comes to qualifying the weight for Tokyo. We'll, we will keep tabs on him later um, in May once we get there, and he gets to Bulgaria, and I, I mean, a lot of eyes are going to be on him, and they're going to be on the two Greco weights, and we'll touch on them later this week. Uh, but here's Jordan Oliver. Um, after winning two matches to zero over Joey McKenna on Saturday night in the finals to become the Olympic trials champ, not an Olympian yet, but an Olympic trials champ at 65 kilos. Here you go. Jordan Oliver, congratulations on winning the trials. How are you feeling coming out of that series? Feel good. Uh, it's always good to get the monkey off your back, right? Uh, I've never got to compete in the trials and win the whole thing. Uh, just so happens the first one is for the Olympics, right? So uh, it's an honor, right? 27 years I've been wrestling. 27 years I've had this goal in mind to be an Olympic champion. Uh, and this is the this is a big stepping stone towards that direction. Obviously, need to get better uh, technically, uh, mentally. But, you know, this is, like I said, a step in the right direction to achieve an Olympic gold medal. Yes, that is. You got one more step in front of you. I will dive into that later on. Um, but just after everything that's happened this last year, everything COVID related in the world, just feeling like it's fallen to pieces. Uh, does this just feel like a little, it's a little bit sweeter? Uh, for sure. Hey, it got, it got prolonged a year, uh, due to COVID and, uh, the craziness going on in the world. Uh, but I think it, it makes it that much sweeter, right? Uh, I'm a little bit older, a year older and, uh, you know, the eye, the eye stayed on the prize, right? The prize is the Olympic gold medal. Uh, and it was tough, right? We were, we were full speed, had to pump the brakes a couple of weeks out from Olympic trials last year, uh, come to a dead stop, you know, and taking time off. And, you know, it's not the easiest making 65 kilos for me, uh, but it's part of the process, right? So if I want to be Olympic gold medalist, got to be a professional uh in all aspects of the game uh and it being prolonged you know it gave me an extra year to sharpen my sword uh and get even more prepared uh mentally physically uh 
to go and uh, get an Olympic gold medal for 65 kilograms here for the USA. Was your family able to make the trip down here to watch you wrestle? Uh, actually, they were going to come. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend's here, Rebecca. I got my little, if you know me, I always carry around a little toy Yorkie. Uh, his name's Maximus. But, you know, they weren't able to make it. I know they're watching. Uh, you know, but it, it was, you know, an, an all-in-all decision, right? They, they, they wanted to respect uh, my health and uh, being around me. I don't get to get home that much. So, you know, being around my family, I would want to be around them all the time, see them, visit with them. Uh, and they didn't think it was the, the best idea, right, uh, to put me in jeopardy uh, going into the trials. Some I work so hard for, and they understand. I understand. Uh, but I have family right here. You know, I have Coach Kenny Monday and mm -hmm. Coleman Scott and Jamil, all these guys. So uh, they're my extended family. So it's it's even sweeter. Family is family, no matter what label you might put in front of it. It doesn't matter. Kyle Klingman, track wrestling, go ahead. You do have another step. How do you get prepared for that next step to qualify the weight for the U.S.? Starts right now, right? Go home, jump back on that horse. Not too much time to celebrate, right? This is, uh, this is something that needs to be done. And this is something that, you know, we've been focusing on. We, we understand the process of, you know, uh, being an Olympian and achieving a gold medal. And, and this is another step towards the, the ultimate goal. Right. So, uh, you know, go back, keep getting better uh, and, and keep the vision in mind. Right. And, and we go and we win this qualifier and qualify the weight. Uh, and then I go take on the world again and uh, bring home an Olympic gold medal. Kyle, follow up. You promised us a cowboy hat. Where is it? <laughs> you did. Oh, they didn't give me enough time. They didn't give me enough time to run off the mat and, and, and grab it. Right? They rushed us right into the interviews, which is good. It's a, it's a uh, but you know, uh, like I said in heart, I'm always a cowboy. Uh, I got to see you know extended cowboy family, and and uh, maybe later tonight. I'll post a picture and, and make sure I tag you <laughs> somehow tag you guys and have a cowboy hat on. Put it up. I'm sure we'll be able to find it. Uh, Jordan, do you want to give you the opportunity if there's anyone that you want to thank or anything you want to say, you do have the platform right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, this is a, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a great feeling, but like I said, it's not the achievement. Right. If I want to be an Olympic champ, it's, it's to be uh, not just to be on the team. So mm -hmm. without, you know, without my uh, my family, without my coaches, you know, without my sponsors, huge Sunkiss uh, Wrestling Club, uh, Adidas, Tar Heel Wrestling Club, uh, without them, none of this would be possible. So uh, big thank you to them always. Uh, for making it easy for me to, to be able just to train and focus on uh, the job at hand. So, uh, you know, like I said, I couldn't do, I couldn't do this without all these pieces of the puzzle. So we're one big family and, uh, you know, I owe everything to them. I owe everything to, to my family, to, you know, my coaches, Coach Monday, Coleman Scott, uh, UNC, 
cowboy wrestling, you know, and, and it goes on and on. The list goes on. So uh, it's not just me up here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling for uh, a lot of different people. 74 kilograms. I really, I just have a couple of quick thoughts on the challenge tournament before we get to the finals because I think that's what most people really only want to hear about is how Kyle Dake beat Jordan Burroughs. But first, before we get there, I just want to say, um, guys, like, <laughs> I laugh talking about it because it's a little bonkers, right? But like Jason Nolf, four-time NCAA finalist, three-time NCAA champ, virtually untouchable throughout his collegiate career, right? Like we just, I can't remember a lot of times where I watched a Jason Nolf match and I was like, oh yeah, this could be interesting. Like, no, like you, you watch this guy take the mat and you kind of already know that he's going to win, right? And I mean, hey, he he showed it here still too this weekend against guys not named Kyle Dake, 10-0 over David Carr and 10-0 over Evan Wick. He's the third guy on the ladder. He just so happens to be against, you know, below two of the best guys of all time, right? Um, and Kyle Dake made him look silly. Like, I'm sure that you guys saw that clip of Dake, I, just a quick low single. He comes up and just, you know, fives Jason Nolf. Um, You know, somebody made the comment that, you know, hey, Kyle Dake wrestles Jason Nolf. Jason Nolf, first time maybe we've ever seen Jason Nolf not have the answers. Um, and I, somebody countered by saying Kyle Dake didn't give him enough time to read the question. That's how good Kyle Dake is, um, you know, like and, you know, Jason Knopf is, is the third guy on the ladder in front of guys like Evan Wick, Logan Massa, Chance Marsteller, Tommy Gant, David Carr, I think is, is you know, perhaps going to be the future of this weight moving forward if he can figure a few things out. Um, so just absolutely, absolutely bananas that Kyle Dake is able to do what he did against guys of this level, um, you know, because he beat Evan Wick 10-02. And I don't know that a lot of people thought that that was super surprising, but you know, 11-0 over Jason Nolf in the span of, you know, less than 60 seconds. That just that tells you what kind of talent we're dealing with. But anyway, that was the quick thought there. The, the finals here, obviously, Kyle Dake sweeping Jordan Burroughs two matches to none to win the spot. First time since 2011 that Jordan Burroughs will not be the United States International or Olympic rep at 74 kilograms. Um, you know, Dake had previously lost to Jordan Burroughs in 2013, 2015, and 2017 in the World Team Trials Finals. Um, you know, Burroughs' long reign, you know, 2011 world title, Olympic gold, 2013 world title, 15 world title, 17 world title, um, you know, world bronze in 2015 and 2018, and I think 2019 as well, Kyle Dake a couple of world titles at non-Olympic weights, um, you know, and Jordan Burroughs, because he's been kind of the mainstay there has forced Kyle Dake to, you know, try and figure something else out. Like he, he won his two world titles at a non-Olympic weight, 79 kilograms at the 2016 Olympic trials. Kyle Dake went up to 86 kilograms. He made the the Olympic trials finals and lost two matches to one to Jaden Cox. So this has been a really a long time coming for Kyle Dake, especially at an Olympic weight, um, you know, he wins that first match 3-0. That's the first time Jordan Burroughs has ever been shut out in a senior level career. Um, and then he wins the second one 3-2. And both of them followed the exact same game plan. And that's maybe what I was most impressed with was just the fact that he continued. Like, you know, wrestlers always move their hands, move their feet, move their head. But he he did it in a way where he Jordan Burroughs just didn't get comfortable he wasn't able to kind of get on the runway to take off. Like there, there was, you know, we see Jordan Burrow sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll do some hand fighting and, so, you know, he's looking for angles and stuff. And as soon as he finds it, boom, he pounces. He really only pounced like four, five, six times in the two matches. Like Kyle Dick did such a good job of just continually moving hands, feet, head, motion, stance that, 
Burroughs never really was able to tee off. Um, and it was really super impressive, you know. And then uh, to Dake's credit, too, he was able to strike when the opportunities came up. And they don't come up often against a guy like Jordan Burroughs. Um, you know, the windows for opportunity are few and far between. And if you don't catch them when they're there, they they disappear really quickly, right? So, I mean, he was able to score takedowns in both matches. Um, he scored on take on, on, on step-out points. Um, you know, that second match, I think Kyle Dake was really feeling himself because he came out and was immediately banging on JB's head. Um, looked like maybe he was on his way to two. JB did a good job keeping his quad pod. Um, I will say this, JB did look kind of a tick slower. Um, maybe part of that was because of Dake's game plan to, to not really let him get comfortable and get in a position where he could hit that double. Um, you know, just masterful, masterful stuff from Kyle Dake. He talks about that. He talks about just kind of what that moment meant to him. Um, you know, hey, as, as a longtime wrestling fan, um, you know, and I think I wrote about this before the trials, just, you know, Jordan Burroughs is a guy that we all have kind of come up with. You know, I'm only 28, and so he his, his senior year at Nebraska, the 2010-11 season, was my senior year of high school. And so, you know, at that time, you know, you follow the Olympics, right? Um, but the international, you know, the world championships every year and what the, you know, going overseas and competing, like not, not really at the forefront of my wrestling mind. Jordan Burroughs changed all that, right? He, he wins a national title. He wins the Hodge trophy and boom, he makes the Olympic or not Olympic team world team. And then boom, he wins a world title. Like I was there, I, you know, just, you know, you see a guy like that and you follow him throughout his career. And that's really, I think for me personally, I can't speak for everybody, but that's what kind of took me into this you know, international world. Like, you know, he, Jordan Burroughs just, he found all the success immediately and just kind of, I jumped along for the ride. I'm sure so many of us all did as well. That was kind of at the time that, you know, social media started to really take off. And so, you know, we were able to follow him on Twitter and we were able to kind of see everything that he was doing. And we were able to, you know, really kind of go along for the ride with him. And so, you know, it meant a lot and it meant a lot for a lot of us that, he was always there. He was always the guy. And we just kind of assumed that until Father Time beat him, that he was always going to be the guy because time after time after time, he would win these matches that maybe he shouldn't win. And he would he would just, he would do it. He always found a way, right? And so it was kind of, it was a little jarring and a little sad that he could not figure out Kyle Dake this time. But it was also super impressive that Kyle Dake put forth such a performance that he could not figure out. Um, so a lot of mixed emotions watching this. I'm very excited for, uh, you know, Kyle Dake to get this opportunity. Uh, very, you know, the wrestling fan in me is, is kind of sad that he had to take down the King to do it, but you know, them's be the breaks sometimes. And, you know, like I said, father time's undefeated. I don't know if Jordan Burroughs made an illusion that this isn't it for him, that he will come back. I'm curious in what form or fashion he will come back. Um, you know, I don't want to say that father time has beaten him completely. Um, but you know, this, this felt like a little bit of a change. And so very curious to see how long Kyle Dake hangs on to this spot. Very curious to see how he does in Tokyo. I think, I think he can absolutely win it. Um, you know, I just, I, the, his, his athleticism and just honestly that chest wrap like that, that changes a lot because, um, you know, when Jordan Burroughs is able to get in on his five, six, seven shots, however many it was, Kyle Dake was able to get to his chest wrap just as quickly, and that stopped JB in his tracks. And so I think that's going to be a game changer internationally because I'm not sure how, you know, I, Jordan Burroughs is probably the quickest finisher in the world, and if he can't do it, who can, right? So as long as Kyle Dake is able to get to that chest wrap, 
I don't see how he can't win gold, right? Like as long as he's, you know, you know, T's are T's are crossed and I's are dotted and everything else is is, you know, all else equal. You know, Kyle Dake should absolutely be the gold medal favorite, even if the, you know, ranking series points say that he's not. Um, so yeah, that's a lot more thoughts. I could keep rambling, but you know, we're already over 40 minutes into this thing and we've only listened to two Olympians. So let's, let's go to Kyle Dake. Now he talks a lot about the game plan, what it took to beat JB, what this means to him, what that moment on Saturday night really meant to him. Um, so Kyle Dake, uh, Olympian at 74 kilograms. Here you go. Kyle Dake, Kyle, congratulations. First and foremost, getting that qualification, becoming an Olympian. How do you feel? Feel great. You know, I'm. I got to celebrate with my family, got to celebrate with my wife and my two daughters and my mom and dad. So um, that was pretty awesome. My coaches, you know, I did it for them, my, my training partners, uh, my family. I did it for, for everybody, did it for myself, um, put in a lot of work. And, you know, it's nice to see that's paid off um, thus far. So um, there's no time to slow down and keep going. Before you get peppered with questions, I want to give you a chance if there's anybody that you want to thank or anything specific that you want to say. Yeah, you know, I'd like to thank all my sponsors, um, X Athletic, Spartan Combat RTC. Um, oh, no, Spartan X. We changed our name. Um, you know, Pure and Clean Sports, Titan Mercury Wrestling Club, Milwaukee Tool, and Functional Patterns. Um, you know, if I miss anybody, I, I apologize. I, I really do appreciate everything that's that's been done for me and, um, you know, wouldn't be here without them. Kyle Klingman, Track Wrestling, get us started. I know you talked about this in the NBC interview, but would you just refresh us on what you said to Jordan after that match? I just thanked him. You know, I told him I really appreciate him. Uh, he's pushed me for a long time. Um, you know, just his work ethic, his the way he approaches the sport. Um, you know, the fact that he's a you know five-time world champion is is something that you know I strive to be. You know, right now I'm I'm saying that too, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to go get that gold medal and um, in Tokyo. So. I'm just ready to rock and roll. And, um, you know, I just had to thank him. Kyle, follow up. It felt like you weren't going to be denied for this Olympic team spot. Did you have the same feeling? Yeah, I felt like, you know, I, I put in the work, I put in the, the time and, and the discipline and um, did everything I needed to do to, to become that Olympian and, and to dethrone Jordan. And, um, you know, I just, I went out and competed and uh, put it all out there. How does it feel to get past one of the biggest hurdles that's been in your way? It feels good. You know, it feels like uh, it's been a long time coming for me. I feel like I've always been right there, um, you know, to go out and, and put on a show like I did and, and to be able to, you know, be able to go out and, and give my hand raise has been something that I've been missing for the past few years. But, um, you know, having that opportunity is pretty, pretty nice. What were your keys to taking taking out Jordan? Uh, move my, move my feet, move my hands, move my head, um, you know, not let him get into a rhythm. You know, I'm trying to try to fake his fake, um, you know, beat him to the bottom and a level change. Uh, you know, he's, he's a super competitor. So I knew he was going to bring everything he had and, um, you know, he's, he's really tough. So. Before moving on to a couple of questions, I just want to let our media that are attending know that if you do have a question, please raise your hand and I will get you taken care of. Um, obviously, a lot of us know the answer to this question, but your goals and expectations for the Olympics? Gold medal. Go out and, and, and perform. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, make it happen. I'm going to have to go out and compete at a high level. And every single time I step on the mat, uh, that's what I'm going to have to do. So um, I'm excited for that opportunity.
Kyle, close us out. I know that you're comfortable in that chest strap position, but you seemed exceedingly comfortable there knowing that you could uh, really score at will. Did it feel right when you were in those positions during both those matches? Yeah, I think in the past, um, you know, I would just try to catch him. And, you know, he was, he was definitely, I mean, he's able to score on his takedowns on me and, you know, making the adjustment of moving my feet and, and extending his lock, um, you know, and, and really giving heavy hips. And that was something that I changed up and, and made that adjustment. So, um, you know, I was never able to do that before. And, and this time I was, so it was nice. 86 kilograms ended up with David Taylor on top. And this was a weight that that had the potential for some excitement. And I'm not going to say that it didn't like live up to that. I mean, when you got guys like like Miles Martin and Gabe Dean and David Taylor and Bo Nickel and Pat Downey and um, you know a lot of youth here with both Aaron Brooks and Carter Starachi and then Zahid Valencia is the two seed. Now I don't think it like didn't live up to it. Um, you know, but I you know hey I guess credit to David Taylor and Bo Nickel to just kind of you know taking care of business and, and getting to the finals and, and David Taylor continued to take care of business by, by beating Bo Nickel. Um, you know, David Taylor's the guy here. He 11, a win over Brett Farr, four, a win over Gabe Dean. And then he swept Bo Nickel in straight matches. Um, you know, I think the scores were, you know, six Oh four Oh. So David Taylor didn't allow a point, which is, you know, it's, it's, it makes it easier to win if your opponent is not scoring any points, right? So, uh, you know, I he looked, you know, he looked good. Like this was, you know, I think the, the more surprising part was was not that Bo Nickel made the final, but that you know the way he went about doing it, right? Like kind of, I I kind of laughed out loud when the brackets came out and they had Bo Nickel Carter Starachi um, against each other in the first round. Bo Nickel wins that one six one. Um, then he blows through Pat Downey, 13-3. That wasn't super surprising. The super surprising part was just the way he handled Zahid Valencia. Um, on that match, 12-5, he, <laughs> he looked good, man. Like, he looked he looked really good. Um, Zahid maybe looked a tick off, um, you know, because I watched him. You know, he wrestled Aaron, Aaron Brooks, beat Nathan Jackson in the first match, um, and then he wrestled Zahid. And Zahid only won that one 6-3. And I say only because he looked like, I don't want to say he stopped wrestling, but he got up 6-0 and seemed pretty content with that. Uh, just kind of, you know, he would, I saw this strategy a lot. I mean, we saw it a little bit with Kyle Dake. Um, and Zahid, whenever Brooks would kind of step in and, and look like he was trying to set up some offense, Zahid would drop to his knees. And he did that for the better part of, you know, 90 seconds in the second period, maybe longer, maybe full two minutes. Um, and it really frustrated Brooks, no doubt. Um also kind of frustrated me as a viewer because I was just like, all right, like Zahid, very content with not wrestling the end of this match. And and to his credit, he put up six points to, you know, take the lead beforehand. But, um, you know, he just, it, just it, was, it was a little weird. And then, you know, he wrestled Bo, and that was, I mean, that was an exciting match. And Bo was kind of, you know, Bo's from Texas, right? So that's, um, you know, he had that hometown crowd going. Um, so Bo, you know, goes two and two at the first period. Um, trying to recall this, Zahid, it, it was 4-3 after the first period, um, but then it was 5-5 with less than a minute left, and Bo goes takedown, and then they stand back up, and they're still hand fighting, and then Bo goes like a funky whip over for four, you know, and, and Zahid's corner challenges, so at that point, it goes from 5-5 to 11-5 in a blink, and then Zahid's corner challenges, it stands up, so 12-5 final for Bo Nickel, um, and then David Taylor just did David Taylor things. I will say, 
Um, David Taylor looked a little, I, and he's coming back from a knee injury, right? Like we all saw the thing that happened with Drew Foster at Beat the Streets. It was that sucked. Um, I hate it when when elite level wrestlers get injured like that because for a lot of these guys, and and not every you know everybody's different, but you know I for, as far as I know that was like the first major injury for David Taylor. Um, you know, at least like post collegiately or, or throughout his college and senior level career. Right. And so maybe there's a little bit of hesitation on what he feels like his knee can and can't do or where he can and can't step or this, that, and the next, whatever the case may be. He just kind of looked a tick slow. Right. Um, you know, cause I think we all remember the David Taylor that, that won a world title in 2018. Um, you know, he was gassing dudes out. He was moving his feet. He was just, you know, he was moving quicker. I don't know that we saw that quickness against guys like Gabe Dean and Bo Nickel this weekend. Um, I hope it returns because I think he's absolutely a metal threat. Um, not just a metal threat. I think he can win the dang thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, I guess I guess we'll see. Um, Zahid battled back for third to finish on the uh, finish on the national team. He beat Pat Downey 11-1 in that third-place match. Downey beat Aaron Brooks um, in the Russellbacks. Um, kind of a cluster of Russell backs. We did see a lot of matches though. Like Nate Jackson lost to Aaron Brooks and battled all the way back to the Concy semis. Uh, Miles Martin lost to Gabe Dean early. Um, then he ended up losing to Nate Jackson. Both those scores were two one. Um, so yeah, uh, I, you know, this one, and I, Hey, not, not super surprised that it ended up being David Taylor. Um, you know, and, and me saying that maybe he looked a tick slower, you know, we're kind of nitpicking, right? Um, uh, you know, because we want to see these guys at their best when it matters most, which, you know, the Olympic trials, the Olympic games, because we want to see these guys win gold, right? It's all Team USA now. So, but yeah, David Taylor's your guy. Um, we caught up with him like we did everybody else after the finals on Saturday. He talked about the the tournament, the weekend, kind of looking ahead and, and other things. So David Taylor, Olympian, 86 kilograms. Here you go. David Taylor, how great does that sound? Sounds great. You can say it again if you want to. David Taylor, Olympian, 86 kilos. It's a title that you haven't had yet, and now you've got it. What's going through your mind, through your heart? Um, I'm excited. I, I have some relief. You know, it's something I've been training for my entire life, you know, and uh, to be able to accomplish that this year, as it feels great, but job's not done. You know, Olympian is amazing, but my goal is to be a gold medalist. You know, that's something I've had my entire life. That's my expectation. Um, it's going to be hard, but the first step is done. I can check that box. I'm going to Tokyo, you know, and now it's time to get ready to go and get ready for us the best competition on the biggest stage. I guess though, the biggest question that's going to come out of this room is um, having those two matches against Bo um, and made pretty, pretty good work of it. What was your, your game plan headed into those matches? Uh, it's the same as, as wrestling any other opponent. You know, I, I definitely was, uh, it was a weird, it was a weird emotion, you know, just, you know, we had a discussion, you know, leading up to it. I mean, we have, uh, we have such a deep room in the nine wrestling club, especially 86 kilos. I mean, we had four guys in this weight mm-hmm. class this weekend. And I mean, if you wrestle this tournament every weekend, you know, that those guys could be a top four. Um, so we're challenged every single day, you know, um, and, and we, none of us would be where we are without each other. Um, but with that being said, you know, only one person gets to go. So that's tough. You know, it's, it's definitely a different emotion. I, I would have rather wrestled somebody else in the finals, but you talked about yesterday, you know, Bo, Bo was amazing. Um, and I wouldn't be where I am without Bo. Um, so it was just a matter of going out and wrestling and, and understanding that, you know, I've been through this, this process, the heartbreak, I keep that in the back of my mind. And, you know, that goal of, of being an Olympic champion doesn't happen if you don't make the team. Was your family able to be here to watch you? 
I got a big crew. I think I have 28 people here. So, yeah. I mean, obviously in, in a, in a crazy, um, man, how is just one. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, my family's here, you know, my daughter, London, she's going to be a year this year. Uh, she's April 24th, 25th coming up is, it's going to be her birthday. So, um, it's going to be pretty exciting. You know, she's going to see me wrestle, you know, and I just, it's, she hasn't had a chance to watch me really before, which is pretty cool. I don't know if she'll even remember that, but obviously I will cherish those moments and, uh, you know, wouldn't be able to do this without my family. Does that make it a little bit sweeter having to push back a year, knowing that your daughter is able to see you, whether or not she remembers, but knowing you know that she can see you wrestling? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's definitely it's part of the process. You know, we're, we're athletes, um, you know, but we, without our family, we wouldn't really be a lot, you know, and my, my wife specifically uh, is an amazing support system for me. I mean, she's like, keeps my head on straight, making sure I'm staying focused, you know, it's so uh, you know, we've, we've been through the ups and downs, you know, and it feels great on the ups. It definitely sucks on the downs, but, um, you know, we're, we're here now and we're moving forward and I uh, wouldn't be able to do without them. Kyle Kleeman, track wrestling, go ahead. David, dive into the dynamics of that of going against a teammate because you have a, a, not only a teammate, but another coach that, you know, very well in the opposite corner. How do you compartmentalize that, that you, another guy's coaching against you that, you know, well. You know, we had talked about it going into it, um, you know, just to, we, again, we, it was a good chance that we were, you know, we were going to wrestle each other, you know, Bo would wrestle Carter earlier in the tournament. Um, and uh, it was, we, we kind of talked about, you know, coaches were going to be in the corners, but there weren't going to really be any coaching done. You know, obviously we understand that, you know, we understand what goes into it. Um, you know, we're, we're all, what makes it, we're so, us so successful. is just a kind of our family dynamic, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, to be in the biggest stage and to not really have a coach that's coaching you is tough, but, you know, we've been wrestling our whole lives, you know, and I think that our coaches have a great, great plan, great guidance, and none of us would be here without them. Jacob Ferriott, go ahead. Oh, I got to give you permission. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, David, you know, obviously, you know, I think you talked a little bit about it yesterday, but, you know, you came back from your injury and just, I think it was 10 months, maybe a little under a year, you know, when you came back, obviously I know then you won at Pan Ams and, you know, you were sort of on a roll. Do you feel like the Olympics being pushed back a year maybe killed your momentum and you needed to refine it a little bit? Or, you know, do you think it's been beneficial for your training? You know, what has the year off sort of done for you? I think when I got hurt, you know, I knew that it was a really short timeline of when I needed to be back. So I was laser focused. Um, and I think when, when, you know, after qualifying the weight and knowing, Hey, we were only a couple of weeks away from the trials and then everything getting delayed, you know, that was, that was challenging. Cause I was, I was so focused on it. Now I know it's, it's delayed and we didn't even know when the date was going to be, it was just kind of indefinite, right. We, it, everything has kind of been up in the air. And specifically for me, you know, since I was a small young kid, eight years old, I've been wrestling lots of matches. I'm a competitor. I love to compete. You know, that's where I get my confidence from. Because to really go two years without really consistent competition, that was the hardest thing. You know, um, training is really difficult. And uh, when, when you're training and you have this goal, but it's like, it keeps getting delayed, you got to really focus on being focused. And that was the challenging thing for me. Um, but as we got closer, you know, that competitive drive kicked in and things started really clicking. And, you know, I thought I had a really good tournament here. Um, but again, you know, it's just without, without getting it done here, you don't go to Tokyo. So just, I was focused on that. Now we can focus on that. And, you know, we just talked to Thomas Gilman and he talked about sort of chopping wood and carrying water, you know, appreciating this tonight and appreciating being an Olympian, but then getting back to work. Are you employing a similar mindset, do you think, or are you going to take some time and really enjoy this? Oh, my wife and I are going to go on vacation next week. You know, we, <laughs> that's going to be exciting. You know, uh, we're, we're looking, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, I, I'm a, 
I'm a guy that's very consistent in my training and my performance. And, you know, I'm, I'm a workman when it comes to my goals and achieving them. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to take a couple of days and, uh, but we're going to get back to work for sure. I mean, there's, you know, I, I, at home, I have a, I have a wrestling club, M2 training center. I'm constantly giving those kids advice and it's pretty special to be able to be on this journey myself. And then this weekend was the, the little kids state tournament, you know, and I, I was sad that I wasn't be able to be there, you know, because it's such a big deal for them. You know, that is their Olympics of their age, you know, and I think we, I kind of relate to them constantly about, you know, what it's like going through and being an athlete. And um, I try and talk from a coach standpoint from, and from an athlete standpoint, you know, and I think that, that, uh, you just got to stay consistent, you know, and, and every day that you're not training, you're losing ground on somebody that is training, you know, so um, looking forward to being back in the grind, but I'm definitely gonna enjoy this. It's been, uh, you know, it's obviously it's, it's been a life's work. Thank you, Jake. Kyle, do you have any other follow-up? I do just thinking forward here of what you have coming up. Can we count on you for another Olympic cycle? We love watching you wrestle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel great. You know, I'm, I, I, I feel fantastic, but you got to take it one year at a time. But I mean, with this being delayed, we're only three and a half years, you know, from the next one. So, I mean, we're, by the by this year's over, I mean, you're basically in the middle of the next cycle. So, um, yeah, I mean, winning a medal, obviously in the United States puts you in a, in a great position. And I did that in 2018. I got hurt. And I lost that opportunity in 2019. So, you know, that, uh, that sets you up really well. So, you know, going, achieving my goals each year, you know, puts you in a good situation to continue wrestling for longevity, but, uh, I went up to 86 kilos for that purpose, you know, and I feel great. I've, I've really, I'm, I'm really hitting my stride. So I'm excited to continue wrestling, but obviously got to stay focused on the task at hand right now. Jake, one last follow-up. Yeah, sure. You know, David, you talked a lot about how consistency is key for you. You know, how important is that mental consistency of not getting complacent and not, you know, being set in your ways in addition to maybe the physical consistency that comes in with conditioning and training and things like that? Consistency is everything, you know, that, that is, that, that's really the definition of success. It, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be days that are going to be really hard. I think that was probably the hardest thing for me during this time is I remember 2018 and how I felt leading up to the world championships, you know, and I remember like that high of winning the world championships and, and feeling great, but I didn't remember the days that were hard, you know, and I think going through this process of, you know, I was laser focused, but then especially last year, you know, my wife constantly reminded me, she's like, Dave, you didn't always feel great. You know, you got to suck it up and you got to wrestle through those days. You don't feel good, you know, and, and, and I always did. And that was, I think that's the competition aspect is so great, but yeah, without consistency of, of having the ups and the downs and just continually making progress. I mean, that's the name of the game. All right, David, I want to give you just a quick chance. If there's anything you'd like to say or any thank yous, if you would like to share anything there, the floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to thank my support staff. You know, I've, I've mentioned that I've alluded to it a couple of times, you know, my, my coaches in the Line wrestling club, you know, it's just, I came to Penn state and I've been there for over a decade, you know, 11 years. And, you know, these coaches are my family. They're my brothers, you know, it, it's like, I mean, their father figures are everything, you know, and, and that guidance is, is irreplaceable. You know, obviously my training partners uh, and my family, and I want to thank Scrap Life, you know, constantly for supporting me on and off the mat. And without those pieces, it will be really hard to do this. You know, we're talking about competing for a long period of time. You need those pieces in place. So I'm very fortunate to have those and just want to keep, uh, just keep doing what I love to do and wrestle. So thank you guys and looking forward to uh, Tokyo this year. 97 kilograms. Um, <laughs> A lot of the thoughts from this weight had nothing to do with the wrestling itself, and that kind of stinks, but that's just kind of the way it went, right? I know a lot of people want to know the whole Jaden Cox thing, and, and I, okay, here, I was in the building on Friday morning, and I, 
I watched the whole way and thing happen. I don't know any of the other details about, you know, who was told schedules, this, that, and the next thing. Um, I can only tell you guys what I saw. Here is what I saw from what I remember because I was in the building as he was weighing in. So I walked into Dickey's Arena a little before 8 a.m. Um, I had no idea the weigh-ins were still going on because I didn't realize that there was um, – I didn't realize that they wrapped up at 8 a.m. Um, so, I mean, I was so I was granted Tier 1 access for the event. I had to pass a handful of COVID tests. Um, what that meant, I could be underneath with all the athletes and the coaches, and I had a seat on the floor, and I planned to take full advantage of the opportunity, so that's why I arrived early. So I get there, and the athletes are walking back from the scales – or already eating after they had made weight. I take my time walking to the floor because I know that there's some people making weight once I realize that, oh, hey, weigh-ins are still going on. Not merely, really my place to be there while they're stepping on the scale. Somebody told me they ended at 8 o'clock. I was like, all right, like right, I'll just walk slowly. And I'm also at the same time trying to figure out the lay of the land. Um, so I get out onto the floor right around 8 a.m. I don't know if it was before or after, but it was around 8 a.m., and I see Jaden Cox and Kevin Jackson both over by the scales. I don't think too much of it. I'm more focused on finding my seat. But I do that, and I still see Jaden and KJ over by the scales. So naturally, I'm curious, right? It's after 8 a.m. at this point because I checked my phone, which I learned that's when weigh-ins closed. But Jaden's running around the floor doing sprints to work off whatever little weight he had left to work off. KJ is pleading with the weigh-in officials, which I learned that you know the last guy there is called the weigh master. Um, that's a new term that I learned. Um, to try and give him more time, presumably because I, you know, the, the rumor flying around and I can't, I don't know this for sure because I just, I didn't get a chance to talk with either of them was that, you know, KJ may have told Jade in the wrong time for weigh-ins. And so the officials are listening to him and it's really kind of devastating to hear because there's legit worry in KJ's voice. Jaden's just kind of going about his business. Doesn't really look terribly worried. Um, I get the vibe and I, again, I don't know this for sure because I'm at a distance, from the conversation that if Jaden just hurries up and steps on the scale and he makes weight, that the officials will probably just give it to him. I can't be for certain because, again, I was I, where I was standing, I was a little ways away. So anyway, USA Wrestling employee calls my phone at 8.06 a.m. That's that's one of the timestamps that I have. KJ and Jaden are still on the floor. I see Jaden get on the scale again. I'm not sure that he makes weight because he, he gets off the scale and KJ continues to plead with the officials. And this is about the time that I realize something big is about to happen. The last time I do look at my phone, it's 8, 10 a.m. And a few minutes after, um, Jaden steps on the scale and presumably makes weight. And then he steps on another scale, presumably makes weight again, and then he steps on another. The officials say something to KJ, and I can't hear it, but he's not happy. Jaden sits in a chair. The officials walk off the floor. I see KJ console Jaden, and then they, too, walk off the floor. A few minutes pass. USA Wrestling employee comes up to me. I ask them what's next. They tell me a committee is going to decide Jaden's fate. Cool. Let's see what happens. About an hour later, so a little after 9 o'clock, I'm working on some pre-tournament stuff. When I hear that the committee voted no, I don't know who's on the committee or how many people are on it. I double check with a few USA Wrestling employees who would know about the final decision. They tell me, yes, it was a confirmed no. I check the brackets. Jaden's not there. So I, then I send out that tweet. And then a few minutes later, USA Wrestling posts their announcement that he's not competing. Just like that, one of the most exciting days in our sport gets off to a kind of a rough start. Um, that's what I know. I know a lot of other people have talked to a handful of other people in and around the building about what happened and Who's at fault here? Uh, Jaden went on NBC on Saturday night, or NBC Sports, excuse me, during the broadcast on Saturday during the finals, and he basically, he didn't like throw KJ under the bus, but he was basically, you know, saying, hey, I was told the wrong time. I feel like I deserve a fair shot at this. Um, they're going to take it to arbitration, which is normally athlete-friendly. I don't see how he's actually going to win this case because 
he was supposed to wrestle in the challenge semis and he had to get through the bracket to get to Kyle Snyder and to, to get the best of three spot. I, the only thing that maybe makes sense is that he has to wrestle through the national team, which is in this case, Kyvin Gadsden took third, Colin Moore second, Kyle Snyder's uh, the Olympian. I don't see how that's fair because that's kind of a slap in the face to like Ty Walls, Mike Machiavello, Hayden Zilmer, all these other guys that had to make weight on that Friday. Um, you know, I... I don't see how he wins this arbitration case. I guess I could be wrong, but that's that's kind of my my thought on it. You know, part of of making these teams and wrestling and competing on these stages is the fact that you got to take care of your business, right? Like you got to step on the scale on time. You got to know when weigh-ins are, right? That's day one stuff. Know when weigh-ins are, make your weight, and take care of that. And if you can't do that, then you don't deserve to be on the team. Because I like think about this: USA Wrestling probably has the leeway to make to you know bend certain rules whatever fine guys at the ioc in tokyo they ain't gonna do that um the people at the uww at the world championships they ain't gonna do that so why should usa wrestling um you know we want to train these guys to be the best in the world and that means organizing these tournaments in such a way that we prepare them as best as possible and that means competition that means all the procedural stuff you know, and that means, you know, opening up resources for these guys so that they cut their weight correctly. They're down to weight on time and they they just they take care of everything. And so I just I don't see a legitimate fair way for Jaden to actually get a rustle off, which stinks because, hey, I, you guys know I'm a Mizzou fan. Jaden's from Missouri. I'm from Missouri. We I've known Jaden for years and it just it sucks because. I th- I thought he could make the team. I had heard rumblings that if he got to the finals against Kyle Snyder, that I it that he would have that he would have made the team. That he's been that good, so it stinks. It really does. But you gotta ta- you gotta handle your business if you want to make these teams and you want you want to earn the right to do this. And it stinks. Um, you know, this is kind of the you know, is USA sending its best team to the Olympics? We don't know because, guys, let's remember, Kyle Snyder is a defending Olympic gold medalist. He's won two more world titles. He has literally won a world medal every year he's been on the senior level. So, you know, there's no guarantee Jaden Cox would have won that series, right? Because Kyle Snyder's pretty dang good, right? So, you know, I the whole Jaden thing really stinks. It really put a damper on the Olympic trials that Friday. Um you know, I wonder if, you know, his inclusion, would that have boosted like viewership numbers, things of that nature? I, I tend to think that it would. Um, it just it would have been tremendous for our sport. Um, but instead, a two time world champ is is going to sit at home and not go to the Olympics. Probably. I guess we'll see what happens with arbitration. And if and if not, he'll you know, we'll see what happens when it comes to, you know, there there is a there is a world championships this year as well after the Olympics. So, you know, maybe he'll be able to go do that. That was honestly, you know, that's that's the biggest takeaway when it comes to 97 kilo cuz you look at the rest of the the weight, you know, whoever came out of the challenge tournament bracket and and it ended up being Colin Moore. Um, you know, he beat Braxton Amos 10-0, he beat Ty Wall 6-2 and then he beat Machiavello 10-0. Um, Kyvin Gadsden wrestled his way back to true third. You know, they had to beat Kyle Snyder, and that is a that is a very tall ask. Nobody has done that at this weight since 2015 um, when he broke through and beat Varner for the world team, then he beat Varner again for the Olympic team, and then it's been Kyvin Gadsden the last three years that have met him, that's met him in the, in the world team trials finals. Like, nobody's been able to do it. So, you know, Snyder looked like Snyder. I call him more the familiarity of it. I think finally caught up to him in the second match when he was able to slow Snyder down a little bit because Snyder... Snyder just kind of big brothered him in that first match. It was a tech fall. 
in that second match, Moore was able to slow things down, and and he, you know, he created a few opportunities, but you know, Snyder's just so dang good, man. Like quick feet for a ninety-seven kilo guy. Obviously, he's strong. Um, it was always going to be a tall ask, whether it was Colin Moore or Kyvin Gadsden or Jaden Cox. Um, so Snyder hangs on to the spot. We got to talk to him afterwards. He did. So we asked, obviously somebody asked him about the the Jaden Cox thing, and, and he said that sucked. But you know, talked about that. Talked about you know his his Saturday night performance and, and looking ahead to Tokyo. So here's Kyle Snyder, Olympian at ninety seven kilograms. Here you go. How do you feel about how things went tonight? I feel pretty good. Um, you know, I like tech phone people. So the last match uh, didn't score any points in the second period. So, you know, just continue to work though, but I'm very thankful to have the result be the way that it is. And, um, you know, the Lord is in control of everything. So he gets all the glory and honor and uh, all the praise. So thank you. Before you get peppered with questions, I uh, want to give you an opportunity if there's anyone that you want to thank or if there's anything that you would like to say. I want to thank Jesus. Um, you know, everything that I have is because of him. So, uh, you know, he supplies me with the strength and endurance and skills and uh, all those things and the mental uh, ability to go out there and compete. And so I'm always just focused on growing closer to him. And then I thank my wife, Maddie. Um, she's been an inspiration to me. She's in medical school this year. It's her first year. So the way that she's worked has been uh, very inspiring and uh, continue to motivate me to be disciplined and uh, do everything I can to be able to give a, be able to wrestle the way that God wants me to. So, and of course, my mom and dad, my pop-up and Gail and my brothers and sister and my whole family. So a lot of people to thank. Going to go ahead and open it up and just let media and attendance know that if you do have a question, please raise your hand and I will get to you and we'll get you taken care of. Uh, getting us started, Kyle Klingman, Track Wrestling. You transitioned over to NLWC. What did that move do for your career in this Olympic cycle? Other, you know, I think that I know the NLWC is the best coaching staff in the country. And I'm very thankful for uh, the way things worked out and uh, for me to be able to train in that environment. Um, you know, they take care of everything for us so that, you know, we can take care of uh, what we need to on the mat. So they're the hardest working coaching staff in the country. And uh, I just really appreciate everything that they've done. Kyle, follow up. I do. When did you learn about Jaden and how did you process that information? Um, I learned at breakfast after weigh-ins um, with, with, from a Team USA article my brother showed me. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So just continuing to get ready the way that I was going to get ready. But Jaden is I'm – real, I'm real close to Jaden. And uh, he's a brother in Christ, so it stinks that it worked out that way. Um, but, you know, I'm ready to compete, so that's what I was focused on. Jacob Ferriott. There you go, Jake. Perfect. 
you know, Kyle, obviously with the year off, you know, obviously now people are a year removed maybe from their prime or getting a year into their prime. I mean, how do you feel like the Olympics being delayed a year affected or impacted your training process? It affected it very positively. But to be honest, anything could happen and it would affect me positively. You know, I don't care what happens. The Olympics could have been moved up even earlier and I, I, I believe I'd be ready to go. So it didn't matter what happened. Everything that happens is uh, for my benefit. And that's what I know to be true. And um, so to me, it doesn't matter. And, you know, obviously you having been there once before and, you know, winning a gold medal, I mean, just how much confidence does that give you going in the fact that you've been there before? And also, you know, do you feel like you're approaching it differently a second time? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting more confident every every year, but, you know, my confidence doesn't come from my experience on the map, but my confidence comes from my faith in Jesus. And uh, as I continue to mature in my faith, uh, I have less stress in my life, less anxiety before competition, less nerves. I'm just out. I'm ready to compete. I'm more clear and focused. And I know that things aren't going to be distracting me and uh, putting me in a bad attitude. So, uh, you know, having being an Olympic champion, world champion, all that uh, doesn't it doesn't compare to the confidence I get from my faith. Jake, all good? Yep, good. All right. Kyle Clayman. Kyle, you wrestled in the U.S. Open, had to injury default to Kyvan Gadsden. How bad was that injury, and how did you overcome it? It wasn't bad. Just uh, was smart about it and, uh, um, you know, rehabbed it and made sure that I gave it enough rest, more than enough rest, so that when I come, came back, nothing happened, and I was good for the rest of the year, no problems. So it was no big deal. Jake, you just want to make sure you're all good. Since the guest oh, got you. One more question, if that's all right. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Sure. You know, you talked about, obviously, the coaching staff in the room. You know, what have you learned from the coaching staff in the NLWC and maybe even, you know, some of the younger wrestlers in the room who might look up to you? You know, do you find yourself learning stuff from those guys also? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, um, I mean, the coaches, they've just done a really good job. Um seeing the problems that have happened in the past in regards to like just making sure that we're comfortable and we're happy and we're thankful and we feel like we're taken care of because then we're going to compete uh the best way uh the way that you know we want to go out there and wrestle so they keep everything lighthearted, um extremely uh smart technically and uh yeah, so I mean, I would say that they don't let uh, they don't just uh, see a problem and then forget about it. You know, the next uh, the next event, but they're always addressing the problems, addressing things that happen, and making sure that uh, we're ready to go. So, and then in regards to the guys on the team, it's good because I was in a new environment, and then you got young guys in a new environment who, and we're all learning things at the same time. So it's good to have a community of people like that who are all excited about 
uh, fresh things. Final weight, 125 kilos, heavyweight, men's freestyle. Gable Steveson is the rep. Um, I don't think a lot of people are surprised by this. Um, and, guys, let me tell you, he – I mean, he looked great, right? He beat Tanner Hall 11-0. He beat Greg Kirkfleet 11-0. And then he swept Nick Wisgowski, um, you know, 10-0 and then 10-4 for the spot. Or maybe it was 11-0, 10-4. Um, in either case, like, he outscored his opponents 42-4 this weekend. He beat the, you know, Nick Wisdowski has held the team, the nat, the world team spot at 125 for the last three years. And I'll tell you what, I knew Gable was probably going to make this team when he beat Gwizdowski at the RTC Cup. Because, and here's my, here's my running theory, and I, I ran this by a couple different wrestling people. When you see younger guys or you see guys challenge for the spot, they usually take the first match and they either realize they can, you know, like, they realize they can beat this guy and they realize they can win the spot and the second match is totally different from the first in this best of three series or they realize they can't and again the second match is totally different from the first but that matchup with Gwiz when Gable beat him at the RTC Cup that gave him some confidence that we've seen you know during the collegiate season when he was blasting through dudes um and we saw it this weekend again. Like there is something about the idea of just believing and not just believing, but knowing that you're the best guy for this spot. And that was maybe the scariest part about watching Gable Steveson this weekend was that he, 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 I think he can win a gold medal this summer. And the scariest part is that he knows it and he believes it as well. And when you have that belief and you know that you can do something, it changes the way you approach everything. We saw it at the NCAA championships. We saw it at the Big Ten championships when he, you know, he is blowing through, you know, arguably the deepest weight in the tournament in the country, maybe. And he's making it look really easy. And then he gets here and he does the same thing to Gwizdowski, who's a two-time world medalist, guys. Like, that's that's not a scrub. And Gable, there's a definite gap there now between Gable and Gwizdowski. Like, a definite gap. Um, and that's not a shot on Gwiz, who is still one of the best heavyweights in the world. But like Gable Steveson might be the best heavyweight in the world. Um, you know, we'll we'll find out for sure later this summer. But that that to me was the most impressive part about watching Gable compete was that just he he knows that he can compete with these guys. Um, you know, now we'll see. You know, there's there's some really good international heavyweights. And we'll see just how he stacks up against there. But, like, the way he moves his feet, the way he creates angles, the way he commits to those angles, um, like, it's a frightening thing to watch Gable Steveson run down a double leg. Like, it is legitimately frightening. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how, you know, he ends up, you know, do, uh, obviously doing internationally. But, like, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. I think he'll win gold. Um, he's going to be my pick until proven otherwise. Um, I really – I can't wait. Because, like, the other thing, too – is that the way he moves his hands and the way he moves his feet, like, that is that is going to gas some international heavyweights out. Like, I don't know that international heavyweights are ready for that speed. I don't know that they're ready for that combination of speed and technique. And just, you know, this is, I mean, this is a middle linebacker with excellent wrestling technique. That's what Gable Steveson is. Um, you know, or like a defensive end with wrestling technique. Like, it is, I, you know, I, we've been watching him for the last three months, right? But, like, this weekend being on the floor... And a lot of his matches ended up on mat four, which is right where my seat was. Like, it is a frightening experience to watch that man compete up close against other grown men. And he just, he made them look like they didn't belong on the mat with him. 
it was kind of scary. Um, I'm kind of oogling over over Gable Steveson right now. He beat Gwiz in the final. Mason Parrish, shout out to him, man. He lost to uh, Greg Kirkfleet in the quarters, 4-4 on criteria. Kirkfleet looked really, really good in that match. Um, and then Gable beat him, and then Kirkfleet lost to Anthony Ellison on the backside. But Paris came back, um, beat Tanner Hall, beat Dom Bradley, who I hope wrestles forever. Um, and then he beat Anthony Nelson for third to finish on the national team. So good stuff there from Mason Paris to bounce back. Um, you know, Anthony Nelson and Don Bradley met in the top side quarters. Bradley was able to win that one. And then Gwizdowski won that match. Um, lots of talented guys at this weight, lots of talented heavyweights in the country right now, but Gable's the guy, um, we, uh, we got to talk with him afterwards as well, so we'll lay down that interview track. Um, might very well be listening to the best 125-kilo wrestler in the world when you listen to him next. So here's Gable Steveson, Olympian, 125 kilograms. Here you go. Hey, Gable. How you doing? You're doing a lot better than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, two, I am. <laughs> two weeks ago, you and I were talking about winning an NCAA title. Now we're talking about you going to the Olympics. Please tell me how you are feeling. Congratulations. Um, I'm feeling wonderful. Just uh, go out there, compete on this big stage and put my heart out there and show my, show my skill on display was, uh, was the number one thing to me. Going through guys like Gwig, Gwiz, Mason Paris, and Greg Kirkley isn't an easy challenge, and those guys are right there too. But this weekend, I showed I'm the best. Before you get peppered with questions, and I know you already have before you came back here, I want to give you an opportunity if there's anyone that you want to thank or say anything before before we come at you. Oh, my family's here. Shout out to them. Brandon Egram, Becker, Zach Sanders, Tony Nelson, Hayden Zilmer, Sean Russell, Mitch McKee, all the guys that came with me here. Shout out to them for doing their job this weekend. But especially shout out to Trevor Bramble. He's been there for a long time. Training partner, everything. He goes everywhere I go. And so big shots to him. And another question from me. One thing I noticed is that as the match ended, it really looked like you were kind of, you did a circle and it really looked like you were soaking everything in before you really like, you felt like you could celebrate. What was going through your mind? Um, a lot of kids don't get to the spot, you know, on the Olympic team, go overseas. And so, man, that, that circle and out here and all the crowd cheering is, is a great feeling. And I got the experience and hopefully kids look at me and be like, geez, I can do that too. And so, Having out that crowd yell and having them scream do the backflip again was was some uh, some outrageous. So I love the feeling. All right, I'm going to open it up for questions. Up first, uh, local to you, Rachel Borzi, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Hey, Gable, you looked a little bit stunned there, actually, right after the match. Were were you a little surprised it just well this went for you tonight? Um, it was expected for me to do this. I mean, I was really surprised too, doing that to. A guy like Wiz, NCAA champion, world medalist. He's been on that scene for a long time and respects to him always. I mean, I shouted him out so many times. He was the guy that I was watching when he was wrestling NCAA championship all, all the three times he made it to the finals. And so to beat him is, wow. And if I could follow up, as always, your offense was very good, but your defense was outstanding as well. You just weren't allowing Gwiz anything at all tonight. What was your strategy going in to, to try to fend him off? I just, just wrestled my game. I knew he was going to take that outside shot. I've seen him many times. He's hit me with him many times. And so the goal was to not let him get that shot and hit him any retakes as I can and score as many points. Kyle Klingman, track wrestling. Would you have done a backflip if they wouldn't have chanted for it? Oh, no. I didn't even expect them to chant for it, but they were just like, 
the crowds got loud for a second. I was like, it was like backflip, backflip. And so I was like, I'm here again. It's a repeat of what happened one week ago. And so I was like, flip for the crowd. They'll love it. It'll get put up on Twitter again and get lots of views, I hope. And just keep keep growing me and keep growing what the wrestling is about. Kyle, follow up. I do. The Minnesota heavyweight tradition is pretty uh, pretty stellar. Garrett Lowney made a Greco team for the Olympics, but you're the first freestyler to do it. Put that in perspective. A lot of great Minnesota greats, but you're setting new territory with uh, Minnesota heavyweights. Um, a lot of kids are going to want to come to Minnesota and want to do the things that I do. And I hope this this attracts a lot of people to our, our recruitment. And having coaches like we have is going to is going to set the set the bar high for a lot of kids that want to come in. And a lot of you're going to see a lot of the heavyweights come to Minnesota and try to be great just like this. And I still got such a long way to go. And hopefully, like I said, it influences another crowd to come come be with us. From our media in attendance, any other questions? Rachel, go ahead. Yeah, Gable, could you tell us about your Olympic journey? I mean, we, we often hear about people first recognize the Olympics, when they first realized what it was and what it meant. Can you tell us uh, what, what that moment was like for you? How old were you? Who was the person that showed you that this was something you wanted to do? I think first my name is Gable, and so... <laughs> It's like, oh, his name's Gable. You got to make the Olympic team. And so, yeah, that's how it started. My name is Gable. It just was like, oh, wow. He's got to be on the Olympic team when he's 20 years old. And I'm here now. And so the Gable legacy lives on for another day. And some, some people would say that's pressure. Some people would say, well, gosh, you have to live up to that name. How do you not feel Gable? How are you able to stay so loose with that? Um... I've been doing this for a long time. I love the big crowds. I love entertaining people. And it's always been in me, the, sh the showmanship, the, the drive to, to do things that people want to see when I step out on a mat. And so it's no pressure. It's just another day on a job. And so I love it. And it's a great feeling. My one last question. And I know we're all going to know the answer to this. What are your goals and your expectations for Tokyo? I'm planning on going to Tokyo and just wrestling. And said, so, no, I'm joking. I want to go to Tokyo and get gold. There's no other option besides gold. I live for this. I've seen all those guys, and they're going to they're gonna know who Gable Seifson is really soon. They already do. They're, they're going to feel him really soon, and I want that gold medal, and I'm going to go from there. One word to describe how you're feeling right now, and then you're out of here. Um, I feel great. Like I mentioned, not, not many kids get to this spot. So for me to be here is, is just wild. And, Tokyo, we're coming. I'll probably end up going to, to the babe store out there and, and give me some clothes or something. And yeah, go from there. And so, yeah, that'll be cool. That's it, guys. Um, those are kind of my rambly thoughts on the uh, U.S. Men's Freestyle Olympic team. Um, I appreciate it. If you guys have been listening all the way here, this was kind of a really longer show, and I was just kind of going off the cuff. Um, looking at some of the brackets, some of the results, what I remember, this, that, and the next thing. And so I, I hope you, I hope you appreciated it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you stuck around this long, we're going to be back later this week, um, literally tomorrow and then Friday to do the same thing on the women's freestyle team and the Greco Roman team. Um, those might be a little bit shorter, but, um, 
you know, at least that's the hope. We'll see. Um, I'm not going to make any promises. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. That's all we've got today. Thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram, Cody J. Goodwin. Be sure to also subscribe to the Des Moines Register. Catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. we got a really fun spring and summer coming up um, just with more freestyle and Greco, some age-level things, and the high schoolers are going to be back in action before we know it. Um, you can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. That's it for this episode, you guys. Thanks again for listening. We will talk again soon.